Welcome to Agency Nation Radio Podcast, powered by The Big Eye, where we ask insurance professionals to turn up the mic and share successes and challenges, stories that made them the professionals they are today. I'm your host, Tony Jones, Vice President of Transportation Marketing at Palomar Insurance and member of the Big Eye National Young Agents Committee. In honor of Women's History Month, I'm sitting down with a cast of remarkable leaders who are blazing the way for women in their organizations and the insurance industry. In the words of the musical genius, James Brown, this is a man's world, but it wouldn't be nothing without a woman or a girl. And these three women are the epitome of female empowerment. And I'm so happy they could find time in their schedules to join us today. Let's take a moment to introduce everyone. First, we have Angela Ripley, President of VW Brown Insurance Services and a Big Eye Executive Committee member, followed by Courtney Raines, Chief Marketing Officer at Applied Systems, and last but not least, Krista Walker, VP of Agent Engagement and Technology at Liberty Mutual Insurance. Thank you, ladies, for joining me today. I'd love for each of you to share your origin story. Tell us how you chose a career in insurance and about your current role. Let's start with you, Angela. Thank you, Tony. Um, As with many insurance agencies, I'm fortunate. My agency was owned by my father and he suggested to me in my teens to consider a career in insurance. What teen listens to their father and insurance? Really? Um, I worked in the agency as a teen through college in summers and so forth during agency administration tasks, filing, answering phones. That was not exciting. I graduated from college and told my dad, I got to go work someplace else. I can't come back to work for you. So I applied with insurance carriers and as I knew I could not go back into the agency, I worked as a small claims adjuster and then applied to be a sales manager. And this is one of those know your strengths. I'm not a claims adjuster, um, never was. <laughs> and I'm definitely a sales manager. After that, uh, I spent eight years as a sales manager and I was ready to grow some roots um, at that point. So my dad and I, he had an insurance producer that was retiring and he said, come back to the agency, take over the producers, the commercial insurance producers book of business and um, move back home basically. So I did in 2000, my dad retired in 2016 and, um, and in 2016, I took over the agency. That's kind of my path. Thanks for sharing. I'm, it sounds like you had a leg up on a lot of people and that you had some insurance thing to kind of help you and push you in that role. And now you are just a, a leading force. Dad encouraged you. Courtney, let's hear your story. Yeah, sure. And thanks again for having me uh, today. Super excited to be part of the conversation. Uh, my story is actually probably a little bit different than what you typically hear in insurance and that a lot of people tend to perpetuate into the industry. Um, I actually joined, I would call it a little bit by survival instincts in that I was actually in San Diego. I was working in a large technology company called Qualcomm and my husband uh, got a position to go get his MBA at Emory University. And so knowing that we needed to kind of uplift and, and move, I did what anyone would do at that point, which was I went on to LinkedIn to look for a job and was moving to Atlanta and I happened to be well-versed in PR and I knew a little bit about technology. It turns out not as much about software once I landed here, but I found a job in an insurance software company called Applied Systems. And so moved to Atlanta, joined Applied, focused on PR. And then 
I would say over the last almost nine years now, I've just been incredibly fortunate to be in a position to work at a company that really cares about developing its people and opportunities based on some time-based events that really exposed me to new areas within marketing. And then I had a champion as a as a mentor and a leader of the prior CMO here at Applied. And so over the course of the last nine years, he did me a great service in, in leading and helping chart a path of of moving up in the organization and, and set out to sort of become the CMO of the company. And when he chose to retire two years ago, I had the opportunity to kind of embrace that. And I've sort of led the marketing organization here for the last two years. And I've loved, I'd say, every every minute of being part of the insurance industry. I didn't know what to expect having come from big tech and, and working more on, let's say, the mobile side of, of technology and coming into the insurance industry. I found it to be incredibly rewarding and um, rich in its experience and, and its passion for being part of it. Well, Courtney, it sounds like you are a success story. And exactly while we say that you can't limit uh, your resources and you have to search outside of who you might traditionally look forward to get into an insurance role, you coming from tech and then ending up at Applied Systems as their CMO. I mean, that's uh, pretty major. So uh, that's definitely something for other people to hear that there are opportunities available for you, even if you didn't go to college and get a risk management degree, that there are definitely things that you can do within insurance field. Um, I guess we should lastly go to you, Krista. Tell us about yourself and how you got your start. Oh, thanks, Tony. And and just such a treat uh, to be here with all of you um, today. Uh, I, I so I work for Liberty Mutual Insurance and, and I have um, for a little over eight years now. And, you know, my team is responsible for marketing and communicating with our independent agency partners across the country through um, through all of our digital channels. And, and I love this work. Um, and my journey, you know, into the industry was um, a really winding road, right? I, uh, I started my career in the Army. Um, I am a, a veteran of the first Gulf War in Iraq. Um, I moved into television reporting um, and, then, and then marketing, uh, working for actually uh, two Bill Gates companies, one of them, uh, one of them being Microsoft. Um, and, and so I was really looking for a change. Um, and I have a friend who really, really enjoyed her work and the people at Liberty Mutual. So I applied for a director role there and really, really haven't looked back. And, um, you know, joining uh, Courtney and others, like it feels really good to have found um, a home. Uh, with people I care about and and vice versa. So um, really here to, to happy to be here to to talk with all of you about this this terrific industry and how we can do more to promote women. Well, Krista, first off, thank you for your service. Um, uh, it's very impressive that as a veteran you could trans transition into this career and be at the level that you're you're at. Um, very very uh, impressive, to say the least. Um, I guess I should also chime in and, and share my uh, beginnings as well. Um, my entry into the insurance industry was 
truly by mere chance. Um, I was a senior earning my BS degree in communications and I saw a post um, from a local retail agency where they were advertising for a marketing assistant position. And I incorrectly thought that was some sort of a public relations position. Unbeknownst to me, uh, marketing in the retail insurance agency side of things is not marketing the way I was interpreting marketing to be. So um, I actually, I decided to go uh, ahead and, and push forward and I loved it. Um, and I was able to move up the ranks of that agency and later move over to Palomar as a VP. Um, I work with trucking companies and um, I just really enjoy helping them find competitive insurance solutions and negotiating with carriers and working to get the best deal. Um, it's been a great career for me. It has provided me opportunities I never really imagined I'd be able to get in uh, rural Alabama where I reside. And I could not imagine doing anything else. So it has been a great career for me. Uh, so now that we've all kind of told who we are and what we do, let's get on to some more hard hitting issues. Uh, Krista, since you just uh, finished up, let's start with you again. You are such an advocate for women in the industry and you're leading the charge to increase the presence of women in leadership roles. According to research published by Liberty Mutual Insurance and Safeco last year, women made up 60% of staff. However, they are underrepresented in leadership. What data do you see a year later in terms of women in insurance leadership? Are things improving? Well, um, Tony, thanks for the, you know, thanks for the compliment about being an advocate. I think all of us here are um, are here for a reason. We, you know, women in leadership, particularly in the insurance industry, we need to keep clearing a path uh, for those women who come after us, right? So um, to that end, you know, our team wanted to dig in on women's experience working within independent insurance agencies. What's happening? What is their experience? What's going well? What could be better? So we did some research and we also talked to women and agencies across the country. And what we found in the in the results is not not entirely surprising. So we still see that women are underrepresented in leadership roles. So our initial research found that women make up more than half of all employees and in insurance agencies, but less than a third of all agency owners and principals, right? So that's a there's a pretty big disparity there. In the past few years, right? In the past year in particular, we've seen representation in agencies improve, but there's still a, a fairly substantial imbalance. Um, we see more agencies have at least one woman in leadership, um, but men still outnumber women in leadership two to one, right? So. So there's that, right? And in, in, in our most recent research this year, um, we also learned that women are less likely to say that their manager is developing them for leadership and less likely to say that they have the skills they need to grow their career. So, and this is, you know, this is especially true for millennial and Gen Z women, where we saw that, you know, 80% of millennial and Gen Z men working in frontline roles, okay, said that they're excited about their future in the agency at, while only 56% of women agreed. Also, more than half of millennial and Gen Z men said their manager is actively developing them for leadership 
compared with 38% of women. So there is a disparity, right? But despite this, in our research, it shows that 85% of women in agencies on the front line can picture themselves as a leader in the agencies. And so, you know, what we're taking from these findings is that today's agency leaders have more opportunity to really cultivate the next generation of talented and ambitious leaders, right? And this should really matter to current agency leaders because, you know, research from McKinsey, from Harvard, you name it, it shows that getting more women on leadership tracks is really good for business. And it's good for business because women make great leaders, right? So that's the that's the that's the most recent research that we have. Are there any action items that you would suggest to help equalize the leadership gender gap that our listeners couldn't can implement in their own agencies? Oh sure. I, I mean there there's so much that we are are learning now about um, disparities in caregiving responsibilities at home. And just we're learning more about kind of that labor and the responsibility of labor at home. And, you know, if we have time, I'll, I'll, I'll go into that a little bit more deeply. But what we're, what we're saying is there's, you know, we have pay inequities, there's opportunities to take a look at that, to really go in and understand what research is saying about, you know, 67 cents on the dollar uh, in terms of what women are paid versus what 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 men are paid in similar roles, right? So there is an opportunity to look at that for equity. We also think that flexibility, which, you know, independent agencies, women in our research show that flexibility is critical. Um, and women in the industry are happy with their, uh, with their flexibility within their roles. So making sure that as agency owners and principals, we're, we're, we're ensuring that there is flexible uh, work environments so women can take care of, you know, both house, home, children, parents, partners, uh, and the and the work that they do um, within the agency, right? And I, and I think that's true for all of us, whether we're in an agency or at a carrier or anywhere, really. So. So I think those two things are super important, but also like, let's take a look at, so if you if you have those things, then you're starting to put more even playing ground in terms of um, how women can show up at work, not overwhelmed, not exhausted, right? If we do more of that, then that helps us then look at women like, okay, Let's be active about how we think about advancing women within the agency, right? So if our research is telling us, hey, we don't see opportunities, we don't see that we're being developed. What if an agency principal, we, there are plenty of allies out there, right? What if an agency principal took a more active approach to helping to develop women into leaders within the agency? right? That is what it will take because you have women who are saying, hey, I want to be a leader. I can see myself as a leader, but I don't have the skills and I'm not being developed. So I think those are the key things that we can do um, to kind of change the game and elevate women in leadership. I love that, Krista. I mean, you were really 
talking to me when you were when you were speaking as a mom of three I, I totally understand the disparity there in terms of what husbands and fathers are expected to do versus moms and then implement that within your the corporate world you're absolutely right that there is just so much there that isn't being addressed and hopefully our listeners are taking away these little nuggets that you're sharing, that there are things that we can actively do ourselves to try to engage and incorporate um, female leadership. We have to work to make that happen. It's not just going to arbitrarily occur. It's something we have to work toward and seek. So thank you so much for that. Um, Courtney, let's let's pop over to you. Uh, Not only are you also a leader in insurance, but you're also a leader in a tech firm, as you've stated. Uh, You started with Applied Systems as a PR manager more than eight years ago, and now you are Chief Marketing Officer of the global organization, which is just so amazing. What did that journey look like for you? You shared quite a bit of it in your origin story, but how has your experience been as a female leader in the industry? Yeah, no, and I can I can share or expand a little bit more upon sort of how I was I'd say a little bit more intentional about that journey, and then certainly my experience in within the industry or within the insurance industry, and then obviously tech has its own sort of bend, particularly oftentimes tends to be more male dominated than female. But from my perspective, like the journey for me was really. Hey, I said it was somewhat survival instincts when I first joined, but about a year in or so. Um, I had the opportunity to kind of sit down with my my mentor, who is the CMO, which I'll be honest, uh, let's call it spade a spade. I did not actually know that he was formally my mentor at that point. I was still in the year, year into the job and he's a CMO and gosh, you just want to make sure you really impress the boss boss in the space. And I had an opportunity to sit down with him and he, we talked about some of the work that was going on. I was kind of under the impression that there might be some management changes and moves. And so he just very directly was like, what do you, what do you want? Like, what do you want to do? Which, hey, for one, like I found it was like a very refreshing conversation that just have a very direct conversation and be be invited into that, particularly as my boss, hey, he was a male and he he approached all of us very similarly, regardless of, of kind of who we were and what we represent. And he he asked me and I um, I said, without trying to be offensive to him, I was like, hey, this is not a not anything that you should see as threatening to you. I find you to be incredibly impressive as a leader and, and really something I aspire to, to model. But one day I'd like to be sitting where you're sitting. And again, I say that not as a threat, but as something that I'd like to aspire to be. And most people on my team would tell you, I talk a lot about from a leadership perspective that you have to take a green to tea approach, which, hey, my dad was big into golf. So I grew up with it. This industry actually is quite big into golf too. But I always say that you have to have some intent with where you're going and then you need to know the shots you need to take to get there. And so my boss did just like a phenomenal job of laying out what a path would look like to get to his position. He did not see it as a threat, but he saw it as a great opportunity to take someone within his team who had what seemed to be the aptitude. I mean, jury remains out on whether I really do, but it seemed to have the (laughs) aptitude and the ambition around what it would take to put in put in the time and understand the balance. And also he was very open-minded to, I was young, younger. I was newly married and I wanted to have a family. And he was also very open to the idea of what that would like be like to shape me into that role while facilitating what I wanted to achieve in my personal life. And he didn't see those as any, any type of blockers, but really saw it as an opportunity to facilitate 
not only promoting within, promoting a female and also advocating for that balance. I think he saw that as a, a great opportunity, a great opportunity to model that. When I when I look at that across the technology space more broadly, I'd actually argue technology as a whole is starting to get a little bit better about finding representation of women. I don't think you still see as many women in leadership roles and that remains a bit of a challenge. And I will say I haven't been in a big tech company in a while to really know, but I'd say when I reflect internally here at Applied, we're very big advocates and we create sort of the space by which people and women can learn from one another. We have a great person who leads up sort of our diversity, inclusion, and belonging group. And one of the groups there within that is a community of interest called Women in Tech at Applied. And it's an entire group that's focused around advocating for one another and, and providing resources, tools, and I'd say also like a safe space for conversation. So I found working with that group is is something that's helped my journey as I've gotten confidence in, in taking on a leadership role amidst predominantly men, I would say. Um, and then when I think about it from an industry perspective, I mean, Chris has served up amazing statistics about the reality of the industry. And listen, when I walk into any room at any insurance event, like I would say, I generally don't look like the other people in the room. And and I know that as I go into it, but I don't find it to be particularly intimidating. And that's partially because most of the people I find I interact with are actually very encouraging and also welcoming and wanting, I would say, to see more women there. I think in many instances, they haven't quite grasped the best way to facilitate or programmatically develop the best ways to bring women into a leadership role. I think they're eager to learn. I just don't think that they've been provided sort of the, the faculties to figure out what that looks like. Where that is infrastructure best, I think is probably from a great number of people, from a, a, a number of different companies and industries to help shape that perspective and create some some programming around what that looks like. But I find the best way to engage with them on those conversations or just more broadly is to meet them where they are. Find things that have common interest, find topics of discussion where you can relate. I'm not gonna suggest to understand all of the intricacies of owning an insurance agency, but when I can relate to them on challenges that they experience, whether that be in their business or in their lives or, or celebratory opportunities, or even just the unique things that make them tick outside the office, finding ways to engage in the conversation is actually really important because as a female, when you're going into a room that doesn't always look exactly like yourself, you can't be a wallflower if you want to change the conversation. You have to find a way to create one. And so I have found that at least the industry to be very receptive of a conversation. You just have to find something of interest to each other. And then and then it carries on pretty well from there. I love that. Create the conversation. That That is a perfect little takeaway from what you said. There was a lot that I got out of what you said, actually when you're looking to be a leader or you have goals in mind verbalize what you want um other don't just assume that someone is looking at you um in a potential leadership capacity or looking looking at you to, um in a way of for advancement or promotions you have to say what you want and then have a mentor and a sponsor who can advocate for you to make, get in those positions and then have that commonality um, with people um, along the way. I think you, you've really hit the nail on the head with a lot of that. Thank you so much for that. 
Um, Angela, your turn. We've, we've left you alone for a while, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you have done amazing work leading the industry as well. In fact, in a few years, you will be the second woman to chair the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers of America. That is quite the feat. The National Big Eye has been in existence for more than 125 years, and yet the organization has only had one chairwoman during that time. So when people talk about having a seat at the table, you have a seat at the table, and you have worked hard to get there, I'm sure. Um, what, as an industry, do you think we need to do to encourage more women, like me and yourself, uh, to become more involved in leadership, both in agencies, but also in associations um, and with carriers and within the community itself? Thank you, Tony, so much. Um, I, I am just super excited about uh, being on the executive committee and um, hopefully ascending into that um, chairperson role in a few years. Uh, it's it's very exciting. And, and one of the reasons, one of the numerous reasons that I ran, it was an election situation um, for the position to get on the executive committee was that I do look different than everyone else that's sitting on that committee. Um, and a lot of people around what we call the horseshoe, each state that's represented on the board of directors. Um, there were six women when I was going through the chairs and now there are eight. So I don't know if that's a um, huge feat there, but two more is better than none or going backwards. So um, that was a good time. And the, one of the reasons why I ran was because I do look different. And if I can do it, I know that someone else can. <laughs> um, and with that, I believe that we need to mentor and support other women. Um, as women, we champion so many leadership roles in our families and in our communities. Um, our plates are full. Uh, we need to lean on people for support. And I think that's hard to do with can-do attitudes. We think we can do it all, um, at least from my perspective. Um, I feel like, you know, that I need to do everything. And sometimes that's hard to lean on people for support to get there. And I think we need to communicate that to other women that it is possible to have it all and have that um, and do it all. I have a mentor. Um, who I'm not 100% sure how much he knows he really helps me in business. And I'm fortunate to have the support of family and friends that, uh, and my business partners um, and our staff, they step right in when I'm not here. I attend a lot of meetings. I'm out of the office, I think sometimes more than I'm in. And um, they know how to get a hold of me. They, and they step right in and move forward. Um, I couldn't do it as well without the help of my husband. Um, he has been a super supportive person all along the way. Um, I need to, we need to encourage more women. It can be done. Um, and also we talked a little bit about what we can do to get more people into the insurance industry, um, more women into the insurance industry. Um, the beauty of owning an insurance agency is giving you that flexibility that was mentioned before. Um, it gives, Krista mentioned that it, that flexibility to be with our families and in our communities and association leaders. I think owning an insurance agency gives you that flexibility. And I agree with Courtney that, um, 
I, I don't feel intimidated when I walk in the room um, that I'm the different person in the room. And I do have to create conversations and get into that conversation. I have to be creative. And I am often sometimes overlooked because people associate with people that they're most familiar with and with other men. And so I have to be creative in how I get, get myself into that conversation as well. Um, I also think that we as women need to explain the beauty of the insurance industry. It offers so many avenues for a career, whether it's be the financial side or underwriting or sales or IT claims, governmental from the insurance commissioners, technical from policy coverage, insurance carrier side. It's really exciting and different, almost like an a la carte career. You can pick what interests you most. Um, I believe that most don't know how wonderful the insurance industry is. It's also our job like, to identify women who have that leadership skill. And with that, we need to step in and mentor them and say, hey, hey, come along. This is really great. You, you've got to understand that you can do this too. Um, and I think that the association as a whole, that we need to share with other women how wonderful the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers Association supports. Um, they support people financially with InsureBank or staffing support with Big Eye Hires and, and market access with Big Eye Markets. And these are just a, a few of the products and services that the association offers. But I think we need to be screaming this as members of the association to say, hey, this is out here and this is the support that can help you get to the place where you, you want to be if you desire a leadership role. I wholeheartedly agree with you. The association especially has been so beneficial to me. Um, the, the benefits, you're right, are just so numerous and people don't really know all that's available to them. A lot of agencies might just pay their dues and just move on and they're not very participative in their state association, never mind the, the national association. But the networking that comes from being a part of these events and participating and getting in the mix, it's just um, invaluable. There's just so much that you can get from being a really strong participant in your um, association. And it's funny you mentioned about having it all and having a good team in place. When I was first asked to be on the National Young Agents Committee, um, I was kind of, I was taken aback. I was surprised at the invitation, but then I was also like very pregnant with my second child. And I was, I don't know that I can handle this. Like, there's just so many things going on right now. I don't know if this is the right time, but, I was, but then I thought to myself, if now isn't the time, when would be the time? I'm never going to be able to, to say, there's always something going on. So you have to just make the time and you can have it all. You have to be very good about time management and splitting yourself. But like you said, that's when you have to have a good team in place, having a supportive family members, good working um, pe people that work with you who are efficient and can carry out tasks and be delegated to. All these things are critical. If you don't have that team in place, you will, you're going to be more stressed out than you are going to feel that you're having successes. So I just loved everything that you you said. You had so many so many good little tips in there for people, um, for sure. Uh, let's um, go on to another question. And this one is for anyone who um, wants to chime in. Uh, 2023 marked the first time that over 10% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women. 
From your own personal journey, do you feel that there are more women at the table in general with you now? Have you seen steady improvement in that arena? More female leaders around you personally in a variety of different insurance settings? Um, I know you just mentioned that there are now eight female board members as opposed to the six prior. So I see that that is a step in the right direction. But anything else, even any one of you would like to comment on that, we'd love to hear. Oh, sure, Tony, I can go. Um, so I, I, the fact is I do. Um, and, and I, you know, it could be that I have spent my, you know, career in more of the kind of historically male dominated industries, right? So the military, uh, high tech, um, and, and now insurance. But I think, you know, carriers, other industries are really starting to, to, to kind of catch on to um, the value of women in leadership. And so, you know, there was a period of time uh, that I, I counted and I had spent, you know, 20 years of my career working directly for men. And they were all capable and all helpful to me. And, um, you know, Courtney, to your point, like, being able to create those conversations with them and um, kind of not just not just wait for, but to ask for um, a, a seat at the table, I, I think has been super important. But today what I'm seeing is, you know, in more senior uh, leadership levels at uh, Liberty Mutual, I, I do see like four of my six Kind of counterparts uh, on my broader team are women. My last two um, leaders were women. And I just, I find that to be so refreshing and empowering in everything, in, in, in all that we do together, right? It, it just kind of, like my, my Gen Z daughter says, it hits different, right? It, it just feels, <laughs> it feels different. And, and we've done some really, um, inspired uh and collaborative work as a result by 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 kind of approaching it a little uniquely as women leaders right still generating outcomes but the approach um can be uniquely uh uniquely a woman's approach and we're not a monolith right but there are some there are some differences and that's positive that's great for the industry so i'm super proud of liberty mutual for what they've done to to kind of through their uh, women's empowerment group and through just really active DEI efforts to ensure that we see more women in leadership. Yeah, I'd echo that and pick up a little bit is um, at Applied, I think we're starting to see more women in senior roles, um, whether that be at the executive level or sort of the next senior leader level right below. And hey, where we don't have any, what I would say that has been encouraging that I've seen amidst our executive team and working with some of my male counterparts is like they're very actually focused on bringing in female leaders like that is front of mind for them whenever they're going into an interview pool whenever they're looking at the conversation they see great benefit to bringing in more women and particularly in like i would say more male dominated roles so like we have in senior sales roles like i see a lot of active conversation around how can we bring in women in some of these roles i think it would bring great perspective great balance new thinking and like i wouldn't say hey like five six seven years ago i heard that as much of an active conversation so i give credit to my peers and how they're approaching that in that frame of thinking and then 
What I'd advocate for on the other side is we don't always see the pool of candidates necessarily that are coming in. We don't always see women raising their hand for the role. And hey, we we see it occasionally um, internally as well as externally. As I think women have a propensity at times to be more um, more likely to be hit with imposter syndrome, to wonder whether or not they can do that. Hey, they may have been out of the seat for a little bit as they were helping get their family going. And are they really in a position? Could they reach for it? Like I'd really advocate like, you have nothing to lose in throwing your hat in the ring. Like you will do nothing but either get the opportunity, spread your wings and learn wildly. And if you don't, you're gonna learn a lot along the way too. And what you are gonna show though, is that you are looking for that advancement. They may not have known it. You're gonna have that direct conversation like we talked about, Tony. And people are typically very willing from a leadership perspective to give you the exposure, to give you the reps in areas that you may not have had enough experience at ultimately ruled you out of that role. And so like be encouraged by the idea that the conversation and the dialogue is much more fluid. It's much more bi-directional, but join the conversation, put your hat in the ring and like good things will come from it, whichever way it goes. That is so true. You, you, there are no opportunities if you don't make the effort and take the chance. You're no worse off if you don't get the promotion, if you don't get that opportunity, but you will never know if you don't try and you can be just as qualified as the next person and that person decided to try and you didn't. So that's a very good um, good point. I have another question that either of you three ladies can um, hop in and, and answer. Uh, women drive 70 to 80% of all consumer purchasing through a combination of their buying power and influence, according to Bloomberg. Businesses that prepare for the transition of wealth to women could see four times faster revenue growth, according to a McKinsey and Company report. In fact, it is often pointed out that women are the ones who make the insurance decisions in households, uh, and that applies to my household um, also. So why do you think the industry has been so slow to make sure that it's women in agencies who are talking to these decision makers on the other side of the table, offering the policies? Do women bring different dynamics to those conversations, particularly in personal lines? Tony, this is Angela. I I believe that women do bring a different dynamic to personal lines. Um, purchasing insurance is an emotional financial product. And I believe that women as a whole, we're about protection and finances. And um, we're protecting our largest assets, our home, our autos, uh, life insurance, making that decision is very important. I just had a friend of mine reach out to me the other day and said, my husband doesn't have enough life insurance and we need to get it and you need to help me. I was like, great, love to help you. Um, I don't talk about that with my friends that much, you know, insurance as, as a whole, but they reach out to me when they have questions. I believe that we should focus on that more. My largest customer in my book of business, the CFO is a woman and she and I, I have had her business for 23 years and um, it, it's actually a construction company. They are a um, an excavation company. Her husband started it, but she runs it and she runs the business. Um, her husband's more on the side of the the actual construction side where she runs the entire organization and handles all of the financial decisions she and i have the have the best relationship and 
I believe that's because she knows that she can lean on me and my agency for questions and concerns about the business, as well as um, questions and concerns about insurance. Now, as far as personal lines, I know that I would probably say that that matches that 70 to 80% of consumer purchasing. 70 to 80% of the calls that come into our agency are by um, women who are making decisions on behalf of their, their homes. Um, I mean, I purchase most of the items in my home even. It's, yeah, it's just the way that that dynamic happens. Angela, I think that's really interesting what you're saying because, you know, there is a, a or there can be a unique kind of understanding and 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 connection and a, a, a shared understanding of of um, being a woman in a in in an industry and um, with high levels of responsibility, and I think I think where that really takes shape is. You know, and I'm I'm going to be the stat person again because I I think it really tells a good story here. So we talked a little bit about, you know, that those childcare responsibilities at home, um, but there's also really that home labor. And so, really interesting that McKinsey and Lean In they um, they did some research that looks at what happens to caregiving responsibilities as women. Um, and men get, and as they get promoted uh, through their organizations. And so um, this is part of their 2022 study on women in the workplace. And what they found is 58% of women in entry-level jobs are responsible for most or all of their household labor, right? Compared to 30% of men in entry-level jobs, right? So that's 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 at the beginning as you move up in your career you find that 58% of women in first level management roles are still responsible for most of their family's housework and childcare while for men that number drops to 21% right and 52% of women in senior management roles remain responsible for housework, primarily responsible for housework and caregiving, while that number drops to 13% of for men, right? So we understand women on the other side of the table, right? We understand, and this just isn't insurance, right? But there are challenges, but I, I don't think these types of data points are, are, are really exposed broadly enough so we can potentially talk to our partners and, and balance a little more evenly home responsibilities with our partners, right? Um, you know, we talked about women feeling like they're happy with the flexibility and their jobs within agencies, so that's super positive. But I think women understanding what other women are faced with, other working women are faced with, can only do more to help an agency's bottom line. Krista, that's funny that you say that. My husband and I actually joke about labor disputes in our household. <laughs> like, I have a labor <laughs> dispute. I need you to help more on me in this area, Wh whatever it may be. But it's actually kind of a funny in our in our household that I say I I have a labor dispute. It needs to be. It needs to happen now. A labor dispute. I love it. <laughs> Similar conversations happen in the Jones home. You're not alone. <laughs> Probably every home across America. Exactly. <laughs> um, just to piggyback off of what you guys were saying, I can comment from um, in Palomar, the agency in which I work. I do not do personal lines, but our entire personal lines department is uh, female. Everyone in that department um, 
and, and I think that's probably a conscious decision um, upon management and you know the decision makers because they have realized that the people who call in tend to be female and there is some camaraderie and rapport that can be gained when you speak to someone who has um some common interests as yourself so they're very successful on that front but um yes it's something other agencies should probably pay a bit more attention to if they aren't already um, so now that we've gotten those heavy hitting questions out of the way, uh, let's see if we can talk about how to raise each other up. As a member of the National Young Agents Committee and um, being actively involved in the State of Alabama's Association, I connect with young professionals pretty often. There are so many young women in support positions that desire upward mobility but can't figure out what that looks like and how they can achieve it. And um, you guys have really talked about how some of that can be done, um, especially when you mentioned imposter syndrome being a real occurrence. And I myself suffer from it in many, many cases. I think, well, you know, I'm not really, I don't, I don't, I'm not the best fit for that, or I'm not qualified enough for that. And it's all mental because I, I definitely have the credentials. I just sometimes don't have that faith in myself. So what should we say to young women who may be CSRs or producers who see themselves owning an agency or leading a big firm, but have that self-doubt and don't believe that they can do it? Um, I know we talked about um, verbalizing what you want, especially if you're wanting to get promoted or you know get a leadership position within your current firm to, um, to do that. But stepping out on faith and getting your own agency and starting your own agency, I think might be a little bit more of a, a stretch for some people. They, they have a really hard time putting that those wheels in motion. So what can we tell them to help them overcome that hurdle? Tony, this is Angela. And I, um, I, a couple of years ago when I decided that I was going to move through the agency and um, my sister and I decided we were going to purchase our agency from our father. Um, I had, this is about 15 years ago, I had already formed a group of ladies who were owners of their insurance agencies because I wanted to learn how they did it. So once a month we would uh, meet for lunch and then we'd also when you become an, a leader in your agency or a leader in any firm, you're kind of at the top and it's kind of hard to, you, who you lean on for advice and, uh, and that support uh, running your agency. So we would meet once a month, have lunch and sit and talk about, I have this problem in my agency. How do I solve it? What do you do? How do you see it? Um, you know, where are you looking to hire people? You know, how do you handle this situation? And he's had a lot of fun talking through these things. And uh, these couple of the, the agents were right in our backyard. And we just sat down in the beginning and said, here, anything we discuss at these lunches are only for our use. You know, we just, we ended up forming a really nice um, support group. And, you know, I found what I needed to learn from them um, as far as, moving from that producer into the roles of managing and owning the agency. 
I love that you were able to put that competitiveness aside in focus of the bigger picture, which is how to expand, how to grow, how to improve the independent insurance um, system by way of having more retail agents available, because there is definitely enough for everyone. Everyone can thrive and be successful. And, you know, some people, who, some people are a little more short-sighted and they can't wrap their heads that everybody can have there's enough for everyone to eat there is there is everyone needs insurance and we can all supply them with what they need so i love that you were able to to get together with like-minded individuals to help bounce things off i think that is just um a resource that maybe some people aren't using effectively and it is uh an untapped um, source of potential for them when you have someone who knows what you're going through that you can commiserate with and bounce ideas off of um, that just helps to make everything run a little bit smoother and it, it's beneficial for everyone and tony like it's it's interesting you say that because and and angela what i've seen when i've talked to you know a, a number of really extraordinary women who have managed through all of the challenges, right, to become an agency owner, agency principal, right? They were particularly open um, to helping other women do the same, right? So I love hearing this, the, the spirit of that. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we, we want to do on our team is we're working with some of these real powerhouse women who are in these agency principal agency ownership roles we want to build a path to agency ownership program for women especially right um we have women have so many allies out there men other women um, and so many men also see the opportunity here. So we're getting some really good support from senior leadership at Liberty to, to really kind of stretch that and start to build more formal kind of path to agency ownership for, for women in the industry. So it's exciting to hear you and it's been my experience as well that women are very much open to helping other women find their path um, to leadership. I that just something that you you had said both of you had said is they're certainly finding the people finding your tribe finding your network um i also think that there's just sort of the self-awareness aspect that you guys are touching on a bit of it is actually kind of lonely at the top i found when i moved into my role that was actually something i hadn't um i hadn't planned for you're used to sitting alongside some of your peers having camaraderie around hey how do you have think tanks in an open and safe space how do you potentially lament about some challenges together? And when you're in the leadership position, like you, you're not in a position, right? To always talk to your, to the people that you lead anymore about something that's bugging you because you, you have to lead from the top a bit. And so it, making that transition is actually really difficult, but I've found working with peers so working with the other executive members, like they're sort of, someone says, I think the phrase, like your first team, like they do become your first team and that while they may not be in your functional space anymore because you're sort of leading that that arena they're sort of your go-to to lean on and then to your point angela and krista where you can build a network of like-minded individuals that push your perspective like do that early and have sort of the self-awareness look yourself in the mirror know what are you great at where do you gap and hey what are your shortcomings we all have them like we would be naive to believe we don't but 
what are they? How can you evolve them in time? Or how can you work with them? How can you work around them? How can you make them to move to your advantage? But find the people that bring those out in you and, and build them as part of your tribe. Thanks, Courtney. I think you're absolutely right. You summarized everything really beautifully. All of those points just wrap up the entire sentiment of what we're getting at. So um, thank you for that. Uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about just the day-to-day for you guys as leaders. Um, we've kind of mentioned a little bit when Angela was talking about um, having a team in place and a support system, but you know, how does it look like when you're trying to keep a balance for yourself and your team and balance between home and work. Um, balance is a bit of a myth. We know it's kind of more of an on-off switch and most of the times with, with technology so easily and readily available, the off switch is and never really used. Um, but how does all of this play out for you guys? What are you using to uh, kind of hone in and create that balance? Do you have a favorite practice um, that you you do, um, a podcast that you listen to, any particular tools or books that you might find helpful that there, our listeners would um, like to know about? I, I'll say, I'll just kind of talk about my own personal experience, a bit less tools, but just some philosophies that I think about. And I will say when you talk about balance is hard and the on-off switch, I often joke with people that in my next life, I'm going to open up a bar and it's going to be called the 25th hour. That might be the only hour that I can find to go <laughs> to the bar. Um, you better trademark that. This is available for the public to hear, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anyone That's wants a to open podcast. up a bar with me, there yeah. we go. <laughs> it's a new podcast. Coming the go. 25th hour. I think you got it, Krista. You got it. <laughs> um, but the, the couple of things, I, I, two things I think about is when I was younger, when I worked in high tech, one of the big trade shows that you'll probably, or you've may have heard about it's called the consumer electronics show and it would it was this massive effort that we'd be planning for every every year and i used to always say if i could just get through ces then it's going to get better and my my father who's always been a great inspiration to me and a mentor he helmed up a, a global law firm and he used to tell me he's like courtney there's always going to be another ces like as soon as you get to C- through ces there's always going to be something else and I've definitely adapted that frame of thinking and I try my best not to think about it in these short spurts of time because the reality is it is a long play here. Life is long, your opportunities in your career are long. And so I try my best to make sure that I don't ever segment time thinking there's going to be a reprieve on the other side because it's sort of a false hope that creates a, a equilibrium that's just really not so sustainable from my perspective. So I try to think about sort of the long game in my in my day to day. And then two, when I had my son, he's four and a half now, we used the book, it's called Moms on Call. And I remember there was in the first two weeks, like it's a book that gives you a million checklists and everything that you need to do every hour of which I definitely fudged every timeline along the way. But in the first two weeks chapter, it was very short, but there was a poignant statement that's kind of stuck with me where it was like, extend yourself grace like this is going to be a challenging two weeks for you and your family and your household this might be the first time which it was for us that you've ever done it extend grace to your child they've lived a pretty protected nine months and they're coming into this strange new world and it's very overwhelming for them just everything can have some overwhelming times and so i've actually learned to extend that beyond just 
hey, um, raising a child, I extend grace to the people I work with, I extend grace to my family. And I always try to put myself in the perspective of where someone might be and try to meet them a bit of where they are and knowing that not every day is going to be perfect. You're going to have some wildly successful days and those are going to feel like triumphs when you go to bed. And like, there are definitely going to be days and I have them a plenty or I feel like I check, I check up an L at the end of the day. But as long as I feel like I can extend the grace to myself and those around me that in the aggregate, you just want to make sure you have more wins than, than losses on the scoreboard. Like you'll, you'll figure it out. It'll all land pretty good, but just give yourself a little bit of grace as you navigate through the unknown as well as navigating through the known and, and looking at it from a different lens at times. I, I don't think you could, I don't think the, the word grace could be more important in this context, right? Because in, in, in now, I'll say this, I'm coming from a, a, a place of privilege right now in that um, today my, my, my child is raised, right? So it's just me. But, but what I found over the course of my career, and maybe you can relate to this, is when you're in a busy time, it's, it's not really about balance, it's about presence, right? So you're going to be in periods in your life, months in your life, weeks in your life, sometimes years in your life where there is, you know, objectively too much happening, right? Um, but what makes that especially challenging, I find, is is having to focus on all of the things, right? And your brain focusing everywhere. That just compiles on an already, um, you know, really busy and challenging times at points. So what i what i try and do in 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 my work and what i've tried to do over time is really focus not on what do i have to do next and what do i have to do next and what do i have to do next and have that brain spinning but really kind of plan plan out your day and then try and be especially present in every interaction that you have right it's just you and the person across from you right focus on that now and then in the next interaction you're only focusing on that at that point right because from a from a kid's perspective you know you being on your phone thinking about the next 20 things is you know is not a very rewarding experience even if you're with them for an hour while they're playing but if you spent you know, if we spend five minutes in focused attention, it fills their little cups and they're ready to go do something else. So it's a lifetime practice. I'm not always good at it, but it's something that I try and do. So not not seeking necessarily balance, the myth of balance, but more about seeking presence with every person that I'm with. I like the idea of grace. I. I don't probably subscribe to it as much as I should do. I am, and also Krista, I I, I applaud you for, for um, living your life from the standpoint of giving yourself more time and really focusing on that five minutes with that person in front of you. Um, I feel like I go from one issue to the next issue and solve the most that's bleeding first in triage um, and then move on to the next one. I mean, just while we've been talking, I've had seven phone calls and three voicemails and I see them pop popping up as we're as we're talking. Um, so it's I feel like I'm always like focus on this, 
solve this issue, move to the next issue, solve that issue. And hopefully by the end of the day, I've solved enough issues and I can go home. Um, so I probably need to examine that and give myself more grace and more, more time to focus um, on people. Um, so I applaud you, you both for doing that. Agreed. It is so easily to get distracted in today's world. There are so many things that are always drawing your attention away from, from sometimes what's really important. Sometimes you have to put your phone away and watch the kids play. Sometimes you have to put the phone away so that you can really hone in on the podcast that you're listening to that's going to help you um, be a success um, in the insurance industry or whatever you're trying to, to learn. There are just some times you've just got to you got to take away all the outside influences and just really get your focus on. And that is sometimes quite a difficult thing to achieve. So, right. Kudos to all of you for, for being able to, to do that or making the effort to do it at any rate. Um, I guess we'll just go on to our, our last question. And this one is really for, for all of you. I'd love to know. Um, and it's kind of a tough question. I know you probably have been asked this um, before and it takes sometimes a little bit of thought, but is there anything that you wish you'd known before you started your career? What would you say to a 20 year old version of yourself, fresh out of college or just um, getting started and looking for a job? What are some tips and tricks or words of note that you would tell yourself um, in preparation for the career that you have or the career that you want to receive? Tony, I'm a little bit different as I was born almost into this industry. Um, so I'm a little abnormal from that perspective. <laughs> I didn't go out seeking it like other people did. Um, I probably would tell my 20 year old self, don't fight it as much as I did. Um, I would say, focus on it, move forward, concentrate on it. You're gonna be good at it. Um, don't change your path, take, um, you know, I wouldn't have changed either. I think that I, I, I'm glad that I went to work for a carrier. I learned that I was not a claims adjuster. I learned that I'm definitely better at building relationships and that, um, that my role as a sales manager where I was able to develop a lot of um, contacts in my career and also gain a, a knowledge of different areas of insurance. Um, I wish I would have focused more on that, um, learning, learning more um, at that age when I was younger. I was fortunate to have a great boss when I was a, a sales manager and he taught me a lot in addition to my father and other agents that I've met along the way. So, you know, I wouldn't change any of that. Um, I, I just would focus more and not fight it. Um, I did go into, I did come into the business kicking and screaming um, that I didn't want to do this, but um, I'm certainly glad that I did end up here. Well, I'm glad you ended up here too. This conversation wouldn't be what it is without you having you here. Uh, Courtney, do you have any takeaways that you'd like to tell your 20 year old self? I would probably tell my 20 year old self first that American Express is not going to solve all of your life. <laughs> but once I got through that in my 20s, um, I would say, I said a little bit earlier, and I try to tell this actually to some of my younger colleagues at times, like, hey, life is long. Like, you have a long, a long path ahead of you. You have great career opportunities and milestones as you go. 
there were probably times for myself where I over accelerated on some of that thinking that I had to maybe prove something earlier than not prove what I'm not entirely sure but I think I just I kind of naturally led myself down that path um then the other thing I also think I would tell myself that I found I got caught in a couple of times and I see it for some of my more junior staff is don't worry about the titles and the people around you. It's really easy when you're young and you're in this time of your life where you're constantly comparing yourself to one another, to society, to what you see in social media and all of these, all these channels that create noise and inherent comparison, whether you like to or not. When I was in the work world, I'd occasionally look at the next person and be like, well, why are they that title? I work harder than them. I add more value. It's such wasted energy. I, I found when I made the transition into focusing on, hey, opportunity, exposure to new types of project, new ways of thinking, collaborating with new colleagues. When you focus more actually on the outcomes and particularly with the business and then the roles and the experiences and the, and the responsibilities that you can align yourself to, to drive those outcomes, good things naturally happen from that. People notice that, leaders notice those people that have that intent. Don't worry if you're gonna get a promotion or a title, go out there and take on work, go out there and challenge yourself differently. And hey, the rest will naturally follow. I've just seen it happen too many times. I've seen it for myself and just adamantly believe that if you put yourself in a position of exposure and, and opening opening your arms to take on more and, and to, challenge yourself in potentially unpredictable space like the rest of it will follow that is so true it ha- and that's been my experience so you are you you are absolutely accurate there if you just do the work and go above and beyond work on things that maybe someone's not asking you to to do but you see a need you try to to meet that need whether it's been requested of you or, or not i mean proactivity um is seen and it's responded to and it's appreciated. So um, I love that. Krista, what is your 20 year old self gonna learn from you? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so my my 20 year old self was spinning. Should I should I be like this? Should I be like that? Is this gonna help? What is so there was a lot of kind of anxiety around um, you know, am I enough? Right. And so what I'd say is to myself is, um, and what I found is really the only success, uh, worth having in your life is achieved by being exactly who you are. Right. So it's your unique perspective your unique insights, your experience uh, growing up, um, whether that is a positive experience or really challenging experience, it's all really valuable in informing who you are, right? And yeah, you're gonna make mistakes, right? But, but, But don't dwell on it, right? Learn from it, keep it moving. You are enough, right? Be open to opportunity and approach it with your unique perspective because that's why you're here oh that's so great that's up that's so uplifting i love that and it's true you are enough everyone's enough they sometimes don't feel it but you are yes 
I guess my advice for my 20 year old self is to fight through your your anxiety, your social anxiety, and put yourself out there and build those relationships. Get into the your state association early on if you're going to go the insurance route, which I did, and make those connections and build those relationships because they are the stepping stone for everything. Um, they just put you in such a good space to learn about the industry. You're in, you're in a space with people who are knowledgeable and who want you to succeed. They want you to grow. They are looking to be your help and your helpers, um, despite not even being in the same agency with you. They just naturally have that desire for you to succeed. So if you can just put yourself out there and fight your introversion and get out there, you will be okay. And these people are there to help you and they want to support you and they want to see you succeed. And it has been a true um, statement on my end. My association has been great. Um, being involved on the national level has been um, amazing. Uh, so many so many great people that have been there to try to, to help me and uh, didn't do it without them. So that that's my helpful note. Take it, take help when help is available to be given to you. Accept the help that others want to provide. All right, guys. Well, I guess that's about it. You've been wonderful. I mean, I'm so glad that you guys were able to take away this time to uh, join the podcast. Um, I know that you are each individually very, very busy women. So it's been amazing to have you aboard. And to the listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Agency Nation Radio, powered by the big I. Uh, thank you for sharing your stories and perspective. And I'd like to wish you all a happy Women's History Month. And if you or anyone you know has a great story to tell, please send an email to Susie Bonner at susan.bonner at iiaba.net. And if you love the podcast, please make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. To connect with today's guests and find relevant links, be sure to check out the show notes. Again, thank you for tuning in to Agency Nation Radio. And in the words of the iconic Beyonce Giselle Knowles, who run the world? Girls. <laughs>